Well, a really warm welcome to the very latest Clear River View podcast. My name's Andy Harmer, and I will be your guide for the podcast this month. Uh, and it's a really packed podcast because there's been a lot going on uh, in the world of Clear. For example, we held our River Cruise Showcase in March, but also there's a lot of anticipation as we head towards uh, the restart and the resumption of international travel. Now, if you are interested at all in River Cruise, then you've come to the right place because I think we are the only podcast out there that focuses purely on River Cruise. Um, and we have a really packed episode this time. So coming up, we are going to give a little bit of focus on the Rhine. And for that, we brought in Avalon Cruise Director, Adrienne Godot. And what she doesn't know about the Rhine isn't worth knowing. Um, so listen out for Adrienne. We also have uh, Sarah Macefield, a UK cruise and travel journalist, and Lucia Rowe from A Rosa. Well, they will be joining me for a chat about destinations and what to look out for in 2021. And then finally, as the excitement grows for the resumption of international travel and indeed international river cruising, we chat to the president and CEO of Uniworld, and that's Ellen Betridge. Enjoy the latest podcast and we look forward to seeing you again soon. So thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. You are an expert on all things River Cruise, so I'm told anyway, but we're going to focus today on the Rhine. So for those who don't know the river, can you kind of give us a brief overview of the Rhine and then we can talk about specific sections? Hi, thank you very much for having me. Um, well, the Rhine River is one of the longest rivers of Europe and um, actually one of the longest stretches of the Rhine River goes through Germany, which is around 800 kilometers and uh, it starts um, in Switzerland, actually the source of it is very close to another great river, the Danube. Yeah. Um, and it flows in the northern direction and it empties into the North Sea. And um, so it passes by amazing countries like uh, from Switzerland um, through France and uh, well, France and Germany has the Rhine on a long stretch as a natural border. So it has quite uh, a tumultuous and turbulent history over there as well. And uh, through Germany, it enters into the Netherlands where it splits into uh, two big arms and ends up in the uh, North Sea around uh, Rotterdam. So it is a very mighty river. Um, we, call, we refer to it uh, in German as the Father Rhine. And um, it has amazing monuments and uh, beautiful big cities that it passes by and quaint little charming villages. And let's not forget about fantastic wine growing areas on huh? the um, <laughs> German romantic Rhine. Maybe it's romantic um, for the castles, but the, uh, the beautiful wines are definitely adding uh, to the romance of the area as well. So, um, and in the Netherlands uh, uh, with a connection from the, the Waal River, which is the side arm of the Rhine as it splits in the Netherlands. Um, around the areas of Utrecht, uh, they built at the end of the uh, 70s, 80s, um, in the uh, previous century, 
a canal which is called the Amsterdam Rhine Canal and that's how we enter uh, Amsterdam or we exit Amsterdam depending on which river yeah. cruise we take. Um, so that's um, it's just uh, a beautiful beautiful experience. Our Rhine River cruises are one week long so it actually is a very practical uh, length for a great vacation not many people can take two weeks off to um, cruise across uh, Europe uh, using all the waterways um, so in one week you go from the Netherlands through Germany um, you can also make some side trips or extensions you can put extensions before and after um, you can stay longer in the Netherlands. You can also um, basically, where we end in Basel, you can take um, a trip to Paris. So there are a lot of options. And um, yeah. basically the entire season is great for the Rhine River. Um, if you are into tulips and flowers, um, we start or end the Rhine cruises as well um, in Amsterdam, in the Netherlands, where you can uh, do extra tulip time uh, activities, going to the beautiful Kirkenhof Gardens. Um, I would recommend April, booking uh, the cruise for April, late March, April, early May to see the flowers. And of course, if you want to uh, sample the fresh wines, uh, then uh, September and October is a great way, uh, great time to book a cruise, um, then we can sample some really amazing wines in the uh, romantic Rhine Gorge, where Fantastic. we have all those amazing castles and Rüdesheim and all these beautiful little towns. So, and I was going to ask actually, because already I'd, I'd want to be there immediately, but um, you, you <laughs> talked about the different countries that the Rhine goes through. So is the Rhine experience different based on which country you're in? So how does the German experience, for example, differ? Um, well, it comes through, of course, um, uh, geography of the Rhine and also the different um, architectural styles. When we start out from Basel, it's uh, one of the biggest ports and it's just a starting point. So if you want to see some of Switzerland, I would recommend definitely a stay in Lucerne or, or, or any other extension that we can also do. Um, so right after we sail out of Basel, let's take the northern route, um, we are going to actually uh, slide into Germany, but always on our other side is going to be France. Um, in Germany, you have the Black Forest as the first day and we have amazing activities. You see this gorgeous forest. Uh, you can go shopping or, or see an amazing um, um, open air village museum. Um, so the architecture there is half timbered houses and uh, beautiful little cottages, old cathedrals, mostly built of limestone. Um, the next day we are in Alsace, where again you have these half timbered houses, but they are added uh, a splash and dash of color. So Colmar, for example, which is a gorgeous little uh, Alsatian town uh, in the wine growing area, because there's a, the Alsatian wines are also very famous. And Salzburg, uh, sorry, not Salzburg, but Strasbourg has these amazing uh, red, reddish brownish wooden beams for their half. Uh, Heftingbird construction, plus the gorgeous cathedral, which is built of red sandstone. So 
Um, after this experience, we slide into the uh, Rhine Gorge, where um, volcanic slate um, comes from. And volcanic slate, this grayish, shiny slate, covers all the monuments. Um, there's a very strict regulation for that, and a lot of the local houses. So um, it gives, again, a very different feel to it. And uh, of course, the food, um, they have different, but also similar dishes in France, in the Alsatian region, uh, while they were fighting over that region, France and Germany. So actually 40 times in its history, it exchanged sides. Um, so it was governed by either France or Germany. So also the food had influence on that, huh? from the sauerkraut to choucrou, it is in French, to tarte flambée, which is the, the French uh, pizza. Um, we have the sausages in Germany. Um, so there are culinary experiences, there's architecture, and there's nature that is going to be all around us. Um, so it's a great uh, mix of having larger towns because um, uh, after, um, for example, Basel, we are in a small town again, um, then we are in Strasbourg, uh, then we are again in a small town, small villages along the Romantic Rhine, where you have the um, 27 age old castles. Um, some of them are privately owned, some of them belong to the little towns, uh, they over look and over tower. Um, most of them were destroyed uh, by the French uh, right. in the War of Succession by Louis XIV. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing history there. And, um, and these castles are visible from our very own sun deck. So just imagine sipping a good old uh, French or German wine uh, and just watching all this history go by and just imagine all the nights riding their horses, saving uh, uh, the fair-haired maiden, uh, <laughs> the Lorelei in the Lorelei Gorge. And um, not much has changed in the uh, Rhine Gorge, so you won't see any industry there, which is a very, very important point that on our cruise around the Rhine, uh, we are seeing only beautiful monuments and historical sites, um, larger towns like Cologne and Dusseldorf as well. So Cologne with its mighty cathedral. Um, and we pass through the industrial area of the Rhine, the Ruhr area, uh, close to the evening or the night. So um, it's all going to be beautiful medieval, um, charming places and, and big, impressive cities as well. So scenic all around. <laughs> yeah, it, and it, sound, it sounds wonderful. And I've been lucky enough to cruise a couple of times on the Rhine. It is absolutely stunning. We were, we were chatting before about an experience up, up to a castle, I think. So tell us about that, because that sounds like a wonderful way to spend an evening. It, it blew me away um, when um, actually we introduced it uh, two years ago. And um, I always heard um, that guests really loved uh, cruising down the Rhine River. It takes a few hours until we pass by these beautiful castles. And um, they always wanted to visit one of these uh, castles. So we actually arranged uh, with Avalon an exclusive um, 
event, which is only uh, for us and for our company in Castle Rheinstein. And um, it is very close to uh, beautiful Rudesheim, uh, which is a fun little uh, place. And we do this only on our active uh, cruises, which are a little bit uh, different from our regular cruises. Um, we have a lot of included events and this is an included event actually that we um, invite uh, the guests to come to. It is a middle, um, it is a castle from the middle ages from uh, the mid 1300s. Um, it has an amazing history, it's beautifully restored um, and uh, it's built right on the Rhine River. So we first start with a little ascent 300 yards, I would say, but in an easy slope to walk up. And uh, we will be rewarded uh, with a glass of champagne for <laughs> our efforts. And the um, actually the owner is going to welcome us yeah. and he's going to um, uh, introduce us to the history of the castle, which is quite turbulent and quite rich. Uh, there's a court jester on site who's going to pick us up from the bus parking and um, he's going to give us some uh, jokes and some uh, medieval magic. And um, from this uh, beautiful uh, terrace with an amazing view over the Rhine River, we actually have the opportunity to roam around the castle, well, around the castle that's open for us on our own. So we have free time, approximately an hour. Um, there is a room where you can sit into the uh, chair of uh, the owner of the castle, which looks like a beautiful medieval throne. Um, you have your photo taken, you can take it home with you. Um, um, you can talk to the owners, you can talk to the court jester, you can climb up to the artillery tower. Um, there's a suspended cage from this artillery tower where medieval uh, punishment huh, was uh, executed <laughs> as well. And it's still the original one. Um, you see a lot of shining armors on the corridors and uh, spiral staircases. It's, it's just amazing. I, I, I truly have been um, very impressed by this. It, it gave me something new after so many years on the river. Yeah. So I can highly recommend this one. Sounds, it was yeah. a magical moment. Sounds, and yeah. um, we also have, uh, you know, this uh, amazing uh, fire show at the end by the court jester. So um, amazing. very happy when we <laughs> yeah. got it. We, I have to sometimes chase guests out of the castle, which is, <laughs> you know, just uh, the bus is leaving. Sorry. <laughs> we uh, normally come home late at night with very, very big smiles. Uh, it sounds it sounds amazing. Um, just quickly, because I'm conscious of time, but just quickly, um, you, you spoke at the beginning about the fact that the uh, Rhine is very much a year round river. So in terms of Christmas markets um, and Christmas des uh, destinations, tell us a little bit about that. Um, we have, it's a, it's a rear, year around river. Of course, um, we had uh, in the past, you know, either high or low water. Sure. So it's very hard to, um, to estimate that, but definitely the Rhine is one of the mightiest and deepest rivers in Europe. Um, so it is actually the last one that would get affected by too high or too low water levels. Mm -hmm. So uh, pretty much year around and uh, definitely the Christmas markets are 
are, are, are very enjoyable on the Rhine River. Um, uh, you have Strasbourg, for example, which has a very special French touch to the Christmas market, a little bit different products you can find at this French Christmas market than the one you would find at the German Christmas market. Definitely, the decoration is very French, uh, beautiful um, illuminations and decorations all around the square and in the side streets as well. So um, that would be the first big Christmas market to start with. And then as you enter Germany, even the smallest towns, they have a few Christmas stands and stalls and, you know, let alone all the amazing uh, snacks that you can have uh, also in uh, French and the, the, the German Christmas markets. Well, we have the uh, hot wine as well, which is very, very spectacular in both places. So <laughs> yeah. you just have to try all of them. And even in the Netherlands, we have Christmas markets. So Amsterdam boasts a pretty uh, big Christmas market that sometimes runs all along uh, from the central station to the Dam Square. And um, while the Cologne Christmas market is just one of the largest ones and it's just right around the cathedral and we dock normally right beneath the cathedral so it would be a 10 minutes walking distance away so that just in itself is and and to hear the music and then you come back on board of course you can keep on drinking the glue wine <laughs> uh, the hot wine as well with us and we have the ships beautifully decorated and uh, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, we look. I, I really miss it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I w we can't wait to get on board, whether in the summer to see those beautiful castles or indeed for the Christmas markets. But thank you so much for telling us all about the Rhine. You really set my my um, travel bug is is growing by the day. So thank you so much, and uh, we wish you a, a good year ahead. Thank you so much, and hope to see you on yes, any of absolutely. our visits. Thank you very much, Andy. Bye bye. <laughs> So I'm delighted to be joined on our second podcast by two experts in river cruise. Uh, Sarah Macefield, who is a cruise journalist, actually a travel journalist, but focused more on cruise. Uh, and also Lucia Rowe, who is the managing director for AROSA here in the UK. Let's start with you, Sarah. Let's let's talk about those people who are thinking about their holiday that they should take either later this year or next year or even beyond that. So how attractive is a river cruise to those people who've never been before? Oh, goodness. I think it would be very attractive because it's so easy. Um, and also you've got some of the world's best rivers on our doorstep. And also you don't even have to fly because if you're going to, for example, you know, the Rhine or the Danube or the Seine, you know, some of the hallmark rivers of, of Europe, you, you can go across the Eurostar or the ferry. Uh, it's very easy to get to. Um, and then it's so easy to explore Europe. You know, if you're on the Rhine, um, one of the major river cruising destinations, really. It takes you through some of the beautiful cities of Europe, fantastic countryside scenery, several countries, as does the Danube as well. So, you know, there's a lot to offer. And then along the way, you're getting the fantastic service, the food, the gastronomy, um, and the chance to go off the beaten track as well. Not just the big cities, the hallmark cities that are wonderful, but the beautiful countryside that is best seen from the rivers um, and the tiny little riverside villages or towns en route. It, it's, it really encapsulates the sort of region, actually. And staying with you for a second, 
what should people be put off by the fact that we know that river ships are not big they're not so maybe for those people of ocean crews before they're obviously not the same size so that does mean does it that there are limited activities and entertainment on board yes i mean it, it is a different style of cruising and perhaps sometimes you don't necessarily get a natural crossover between ocean and river because of that sometimes i think the crossover is more between touring holidays and river but having said that there is a lot to enjoy and people that do like their holidays afloat as i said it is it is a different experience so yes you're not going to have the water slides you're not going to have the big theaters but you get a different sort of charm you get under the skin of the destinations far more um there's a diff it's a, there's a very relaxed style to it and it's more of a house party ambiance because remember that that river vessels you know they go up to about 200 passengers but i say mostly they take about 150 and you do get that lovely informal atmosphere on board and with your tour leaders as well and, and stopping and going off on walking tours or sitting on deck with a coffee as you're going through the Rhine Gorge and looking at all the castles. I mean, yes, it's, it's really nice. It's one of my favourite types of trip, actually. Mine too. Mine too. One of my favourites. They're all of my favourites, of course, but, but mine too. Lucia, these are smaller ships, but they do pack a punch, don't they, in terms of the dining and, and, and in terms of the activities on offer? They certainly do offer a lot nowadays, Andy. And I think like it is with ocean cruising as well, in the meantime, people mustn't forget that river cruising has evolved, you know, in a massive way in the last 10, 15 years. And, um, you know, I, I keep saying it, but I think, you know, we can't repeat it enough. There is a river cruise nowadays for everybody. Mm -hmm. And if anything, you know, speaking of first time river cruisers and people taking uh, this type of holiday for the first time, it's very, very important to know uh, your brand and to know the product that, because there are so many types of uh, river cruises nowadays. There really is something for, for everybody. So there are river cruises that are being very traditional, um, offering a very traditional experience with, with, with the fine dining every night and uh, you know with a, with a very kind of uh, organized program and, and classical music in the afternoon. Um, but there are other river cruises uh, offering a much more flexible and, and um, not so rigorous program and, and a much more, um, uh, sh shall I say, um, addressing other segments of um, many guests out there. So there are, there are river cruises offering multi-gen uh, holidays nowadays that, um, you know, doesn't necessarily come to mind when you think of a river cruise experience. Uh, but we do know that um, the trends now, they, they shift a lot towards multigen. And I think for all of us now, after getting out of this terrible crisis, um, people want to celebrate being together on a holiday. And, and, and Europe is perceived as a very safe destination uh, as a first step um, and the first approach to holiday. So I think uh, many people will um, gravitate towards this exactly like Sarah said. It's, it's, it's like a bubble. Everything's included. Everything's looked after. You explore with your family in, a, in your own way. Um, I mean, you know, what, what's not to like about it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Lucia, some people may be surprised about families taking a river cruise because it possibly doesn't fit into some people's preconceptions. But as, as a Rosa does, there are, it is a great choice of holiday for people with children. 
It, it really is, Andy, and we've identified this as Arosa uh, now for quite a few years, and in fact, we've seen such a growth in this kind of um, se segment that uh, for, for next year, we've launched our new generations of uh, river cruise ships that um, will will start on the Rhine, but certainly it, it will be a series of them. Uh, so we believe so much in this in this family and multi-gen approach that we are planning um, tailor-made vessels um, for families. So these will be much, much bigger vessels. So there will be prototypes of vessels with exactly what you were, uh, what you were mentioning before, a lot of things happening on board yeah. for families, for grandparents, for parents, for bigger families, for bigger circle of friends, something that we've been very successfully offering on our original vessels uh, in the past 20 years. It's our 20th um, anniversary this, wow. this year. Uh, Happy which birthday. Is, Thank you. Um, but generally, generally speaking, we see this as a trend that is going to stay. Uh, exploration with your family, with your friends, enjoying special moments together. Yes, it's happening on a river cruise and it can be very enjoyable too. Yeah. And can I just pick up on that, actually, because Lucia, you mentioned about families, of course, and that is a growing market on the rivers. I mean, I've experienced it myself with my two daughters who I've taken on a host of cruises. We did our first river cruise with them and they're about, I don't know, 12 or 13. And I wondered if they'd get bored, um, but they really enjoyed it. They found their own level, actually, because it wasn't a particularly family focused river cruise that we were on. Um, but one of the things they liked the most was this is on the Danube was the scenery. They liked they liked the scenery going through the Bacar Valley. Um, and then since then, we then took them on a, another one with Uniworld, actually, which was one of its generations family cruises. And and as I know you have on La Rosa, you know, they had family focused activities. And so there were treasure hunts for the children and, um, and, and very, you know, cookery classes on board. Um, and there were quite a few children. And again, the multi-generational, you had the grandparents who'd taken, you know, their children and grandchildren. And there were big family groups, mainly Americans, but of about 15 or so. So, and the actual atmosphere, the ambience of, 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 that you find on board was just ideal for, for such a group, actually, I thought. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I think the nice thing about river cruising is that choice of activity in destination. So, you know, those days of kind of just walking tours and that was all that was offered have, have clearly gone. But in terms of those types of activities and, and Lucia, you used the word explore, which I loved. Um, but in terms of that, what what are the new excursions? What are the things that are offered to to allow that exploration of these wonderful destinations? Well, again, Andy, I think um, the, the the days are very much uh, over. Like you said, that you know there was a, just one type of you know people getting on a coach, uh, going to the you know major sites on of a city, and then being you know coached back. River cruising again, um, and all of us in the river cruise industry, we, you know, we we had a really good look at what people are wanting on a, on a holiday nowadays and all of us and I'm so proud because I've been in this industry so long all my life uh, and I'm so proud of all of us how you know we all grew this segment and this this, this sector of of the destination exploration so to speak because a river cruise is really all about the destination now with ocean this is more arguable because often the ship particularly you know a big ship with all that kind of entertainment on board the ship becomes the destination where the river cruises it actually never is 
the, the, the ship is just a supporting vessel, if, if you want. Um, and everybody is actually traveling um, for the same reason, the reason of the destination. And we, as, a, as an industry, I think we've done a brilliant job at developing um, di different ways of exploring the destination, be it on bikes. And, you know, the majority of us now have not just normal bikes, but electric bikes as well, so that everybody can participate. Or, you know, you can have a hiking adventure, you can have gourmet activities where you go to a Michelin star chef and, you know, are preparing your own, um, you know, meal with, with, this, with this celebrity chef. Um, I mean, it takes all kind of, you know, there are wellness cruises with star um, coaches on board and yoga masters. There's literally something for everybody. So um, it's very important to know that specific brands have very clear offerings and, and are very, very focused on their concept and to understand that there is something for everybody there. Yeah, well said, Lucia, quite right too. Um, I just want to move on, and I, I know that just because we're short of time today, but um, in terms of those first steps into river cruising, so for people who have never thought about a river cruise before, Sarah, maybe I can come to you. Which rivers should they particularly think about as their first river destination? Well, I mean, the most obvious ones are going to be, you know, the, the key European ones, really, the, the Rhine and the Danube. It's where you have the biggest choice of, of companies operating and vessels. And one thing, again, I would pick up on just quickly from earlier, look at the different styles of vessels. There is, as Lucia said, the, you know, the sector has grown so much. There is such a big choice now of vessels. You know, you've got, you've got very elaborate vessels, you know, like, as I said, Uniworld, I always think their vessels are like mini Versailles because they've got all the ornate chandeliers and, and everything else um, and then you've got vessels perhaps like scenic which are again they're, they're top quality five star but it's more sort of um, sophisticated ambience and, and more minimalist so you know you've really got to find those different styles and again on the main rivers which I'd say are the Rhine and the Danube um, easy to get to the biggest choice of sailings the biggest choice of vessels those those would be the obvious ones but you know you could always try and do some of the French ones you know the Seine or the Rhone again they, they offer they offer fantastic experiences as well. And in terms of sort of those those peak times to travel, I guess uh, for summer months, those peak summer months, for some of those destinations are going to be busy with other holiday makers, for example. So would you recommend that people travel shoulder season or at other times of year? Maybe Lucia, you have some thoughts um, on dates. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I have to say that I, I can you know, kind of reveal one of one or two of my personal favorites when, sure. uh, you know, you see maybe and experience things that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, think, think of that as, as a first approach. Um, the Moselle in Germany, for example, so that, uh, you know, um, that, that the Moselle meets the Rhine in Koblenz on a very famous spot uh, called the German Corner. But the Moselle itself, you know, it's, it's like a very special treat in river cruising. And if you go in early autumn, so September, October, it's that time when all the grapes in the vineyards all alongside, you know, those castles along the, the, the Moselle, uh, so the grapes are, are ripe. And then if you go just a bit later, then, then and, you know, say mid-October, uh, you, you have everybody harvesting the grapes and the first wine, the fresh new wine is being tasted everywhere around those wonderful um, villages and, and uh, little little cities around, uh, you know, alongside the Moser. So those are, you know, the, the more, and, and the time then is just perfect without 
um, you know, say so many holiday makers going exactly at the, at the same, you know, the usual time. Yeah. So it's like a little jam. Yeah. So, um, but also the Douro in Portugal, obviously, yeah. hugely popular in the UK. Um, the, the Douro can be, and, and Portugal obviously can be very, very hot during July and August. So, um, you know, my personal favorite, again, you know, go in September, October, when when you will find the temperature more easy to, uh, you know, to yeah. cope with, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And Porto is one of my favorite cities, I think, in Europe. It is beautiful. But you're right, the, the intense heat in midsummer, maybe not for everybody. Um, let's, we've, we've talked a lot about Europe. Sarah, in terms of the people who love that long haul experience or trying something really different, maybe they should think about a river cruise in somewhere like Asia. Oh, yes. Well, that's one of my favourites. Um, yeah. And I also think river cruising is such a fantastic way to really get off the beaten track and really get under the skin of some of these Asian destinations that, that just would not be possible by, by other means. Um, you know, the probably the most, well, obviously the Yangtze is, is a longstanding in, in China, but in recent years, the Mekong has really come up, particularly the lower Mekong, where you're going to be sailing between Ho Chi Minh City and Siem Reap. And of course, you've got the temples of Angkor and you're stopping at these tiny villages en route and, and you're just getting into the culture. And again, because these cruises, I actually haven't done the Lower Mekong, I've done the Upper Mekong, which went through Laos, for example, but um, you're, you're stopping at these villages, you're on muddy banks and it might be a plank that you walk up onto the bank for and all the locals have all come out and all the children are there. It's like a big event for the village. And and some of the river cruises I've taken, um, like on the Brahmaputra in India, for example, and on the Chindwin River in Myanmar, um, it was the first time that some of the villages we went through had seen Western tourists. So you have this, and in fact, it, when I was in Myanmar, all the locals started wanting selfies because they all had phones, even the monks. They were coming up and doing selfies <laughs> with us. The tourists became the tourist attraction. Maybe it's just you, Sarah, <laughs> that they wanted to see. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it is amazing and you you get such memories from the encounters with the locals it is such you know like in Myanmar there are there are old ladies in some of the villages and they remember the Japanese coming through in World War II and and you just don't forget those sort of encounters with them um, and how else could I have experienced it if I hadn't been on a river cruise it, you know some of these places I've been to they don't even have roads so you'd never get to them any other means really but yeah, yeah there's a lot river cruising you know generally it's it's grown within europe because you've got rivers like the douro coming up now um but then it's grown sort of internationally not just asia but obviously america with the mississippi and all the cruises there the snake and columbia rivers up in the american northwest um you know the amazon africa oh it's very exciting we've, we've got a lot to choose from and uh listen uh yes lucia just very quickly, uh, another one that's very exciting, it's Russia, obviously, and I know that they are yeah. completely specialising in that, um, and, you know, I've been myself, and I have to say, you know, I recommend it to everybody, so that's another uh, exciting destination. Mm. Two very quick points uh, about first-timers, again, um, um, Andy, in, in, in river cruising, is obviously, particularly in Europe, you know, many of, uh, many of the river cruise operators offer, you know, very short cruises, like taster cruises, that can 
go only for three or four nights, you know, so if you're not sure, you know, that's another very good, you know, approach to, mm -hmm. to, to yeah. start your, your river cruise experience. And also, last but not least, don't forget that, again, river cruises are all very close to land. Yeah, so if people feel a bit nervous about, you know, being too far out at sea and so on, river cruises is all a very safe environment. There's all the time land inside and land to explore. So I think these these you know arguments are, are serving well somebody who is looking for a, for a river cruise as a as a first time. And of course, no seasickness. That's one there thing we I go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, you've given us some great food for thought. I, I think my list of places I want to go to when travel reopens is getting longer by the day. So um, we look forward to certainly river cruising in the near future. But Sarah, Lucia, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Ellen, we're delighted you're here. Oh, it's such an honor to be here and, um, and talking about my favorite topic, river cruising. So well, absolutely. Now, we were just uh, thinking back, we, we were talking, I think, um, in the springtime last year, you and I had a chat, and at that time you were saying, oh, I'm hoping we're going to get sailing again um, yeah. in the autumn, and then that shifted a little bit and it went to Christmas, and of course we are where we are. Um, yeah. Perhaps you can just update us a little bit, Ellen, I know no one's got a crystal ball, but when are right. you sort of hoping you might be able to get back sailing? You know you know, we, um, and just kind of taking in all the different pieces of information, we are really hopeful that we will be sailing in May. Um, so I've got my team all geared up and ready to go. Um, and they just cannot wait. Um, we're so fortunate. All of our crew members are over in, are in Europe. So they're in Switzerland or in Romania or Bulgaria. And uh, they're just cannot wait to start sailing. Okay, well, that is good to hear. And I guess though, it's quite a lot to organize before that happens. Um, but uh, perhaps just update us a little bit. I know you've worked so hard as an industry, but also you're, you know, individually with your own line, just to get all the health and safety protocols in yep. place. So um, how different will it be taking a river cruise in the future? You know, it, it's, it's so interesting, Lucy, because, um, you know, it, it continues to evolve and change just constantly, as you know. Um, I think at first we were all worried about the surfaces and now we're worried about the air. So um, I think the great news is on the river ships, we have really high air quality and we have a lot of, we have fresh air that circulates through the entire time. But in addition, we're adding in, you know, new filters within the, all the staterooms as well as an additional filtration system in the lounges and in the, uh, the um, restaurants just to ensure that there's lots of fresh air. Um, I think we'll probably expect that people will have to wear masks. Um, you know, as a river cruise, you're going from country to country. So we're gonna have to follow the local protocols. Um, at this point, though, we don't really know for sure, right? So we don't know what's going to be required country by country. Um, but what we do know is that our, our focus here is to ensure that guests still have that fantastic experience. And I think, you know, our, our average ship right now has 120 passengers on them. River ships are so much smaller. They're close to land. So I think river cruising has the best opportunity to actually get started before any other type of uh, cruising vessel. Well, you always felt that when we spoke last year, you yep. said that it's going to be the first back. So you still feel that that's the case, that river cruising will be back first and, and, and it will be, I guess, easier to, to, to operate in, these, in the new world. Absolutely. And we're also seeing it in the bookings. Like, so I look at 2021 and it's so exciting. The second half of the year is really filling up to the point that we added another ship on for our Christmas market. Um, because it was filling up so fast. So that I think that tells us that people want to cruise. They want to get out there. I know people are just like, I just want to go anywhere. Like put me on an airplane, I'll go anywhere at this point. And I think that's how people are feeling. Um, but they definitely want that vacation. 
Yeah. And obviously we're now worldwide in the middle of a vaccine rollout. Mm-hmm. Um, how important is that going to be? Do you think that you will be asking all passengers to be vaccinated before they board or is that still up for discussion at the moment? You know, I think uh, we're kind of that the I think we're going to rely on the airlines and all those other transportations of how someone gets someplace. And if they're requiring it, then obviously we would be um, at the moment. We're just kind of waiting to see. Um, I anticipate, though, when I look at who, what my who my average guest is, they're going to be vaccinated. You know, the average customer of ours is 55 plus years old. Uh, they're going to be vaccinated. And um, so I, I think so, that's yeah, not so going to be the main issue. I may. I guess the issue is, though, that, you know, you, you mentioned yourselves, you go to so many different countries on a river right. cruise. And obviously, everybody's at a different stage of vaccine rollouts and they have different protocols and requirements, etc. So um, how will you manage that, even if you've got all your North American and your UK guests are vaccinated, but you're going to a country where the vaccination rollout is not so advanced? How will you manage that? So, um, you know, we've actually created a new section on our website. It's actually in process right now. So just before those first cruises, we'll be advising the guests of all the information, but we'll also put it in their in their documents that they receive so they'll understand what to expect. Um, and then, of course, when we're on board um, as needed. We'll pivot. Um, you know, if we need to do something a little bit differently, we will. Um, and I think our guests will understand that this is a, a little bit of a different time, but also anticipating that with the rollout of the vaccine, uh, and getting into the summer months that um, maybe we'll get back to some type of normal. Oh, I hope so. I really, I really do. Now, you mentioned that um, you're seeing some trends in the bookings. So yes. you're doing quite well for the second half of this year, and I imagine into 22, and perhaps even beyond that. Um, yeah. What are, what, what are you seeing? Are people go, you know, are they going for particular rivers? Are they traveling in larger groups? You know, are there any trends that are coming through, Ellen? Yeah, some very interesting trends. We're actually seeing, so 2022 is absolutely on fire. I mean, we're up, you know, 150, 160% over the previous year. So people are definitely thinking further ahead. Um, Like I said, for 21, though, they're also, you know, very anxious to book and and getting in there. We are seeing a lot of people from the UK specifically who are going to um, a lot of uh, uh, Vietnam, a lot of India, uh, exotics, going a little bit further. We're seeing people who are taking our longer cruises. We have people who are taking back-to-back cruises. I think they feel like they missed out this year, so now they've got to make up for it. Um, so, those are more those are more expensive cruises then from the UK. Absolutely. So you're saying that they've perhaps not spent their money on a holiday in the last sort of 12 months, and so they're just going to really go all out. Well, I think they haven't spent their money on a holiday. They also haven't spent their money going to restaurants. They haven't spent their money going to movies. They've been at home. They have this extra money, and they're like, you know what? I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm going. So if, I think it's exciting. We are seeing also families and larger groups coming together. Um, and, I, and that's an interesting trend because I, I recall after 9-11, um, when you know, things kind of shut down, when it came back out, you saw that as well. You saw the families and the groups all traveling together. So we've, we've all been kept apart, haven't we, I know. for so long? So I exactly. guess that, it's a chance. You know, a holiday and a river cruise is a great way to come together, isn't it? As a, as it a, is. As a family. Um, so you mentioned there that you've had to put another ship in for your Christmas markets cruising. What um, else are you planning then for, you know, is the program going to stay largely as you expected or have you got other little things up your sleeve that we're going to see that are new for perhaps next year? Yeah, so we have a lot of things up our sleeve. Um, the most exciting in 21 is that we actually added a train journey where people will be able to take the train from Zurich, go down to Venice on Golden Eagle luxury trains and then they'll join Venice for our brand new ship, the super ship, Alavenencia. 
So it's three nights on the train going to Lake Como um, and you know, heading down to, to the Swiss Alps. It's going to be spectacular. So we created that. It was so popular, Lucy. It sold out so quickly that we added some additional journeys for 2022. So people will be able to take the train from Venice uh, to Istanbul. We have another one that will go from, um, from Budapest up to Transylvania to do the castles of Transylvania um, wow. and have dinner up where uh, Dracula lived. Um, and then, of course, still keeping the same Zurich down to Venice and also in Russia, uh, adding in the uh, Siberian Express. Wow. So this is a big program. They're adding trains in that. So obviously, I mean, is this something that customers were asking for or did you just think this would be something to set you apart or what? how did it come about? Well, it, a couple of reasons. Number one was to set us apart, right? I really do believe we have to continue to evolve the experience for our guests and we have to give them something new. This is only being offered by Uniworld. No one else has train and rail journeys together. But when you stop and think about it, the train holds 62 people. So not everybody on the cruise would have been able right. to do both, but you have to buy the two things together. So you're on this incredible train journey. It's all inclusive, all your meals, all your drinks, everything's included, all your excursions, as well as when you get on the ship, same thing. Everything's included, the same level of luxury, same level of service. So I think it's about giving customers something new and different. And it's the same, if you stop and think about it, you're on a train and you're seeing the beautiful scenery and it's all exciting, then you get on a ship, same thing. So um, I think this is gonna be very, I know it's been well-received, it already has been. Um, we're opening up later this week for 2022. So um, already we have a wait list of people who have signed up to go on the trains for 2022. And, and is, in terms of your bookings at the minute, Ellen, just to be clear, are, is it new business that's coming through or have you got a lot of people that obviously had to have some of their yep. holidays cancelled last year and so therefore they, you know, they're now rebooking using their right. credit, etc. cetera? So, yeah, for 2022, 11% of the bookings were carryover from 2020 and 89% is new organic business. And it's really interesting to see it's new, new people who have never cruised with us before. Now, I don't know if they've river cruised before, but they've never river cruised with us. Then why, why, do you, why do you think that is? Have you continued your marketing throughout this uh, period? Or Yeah, we have not stopped marketing. We have not stopped educating our advisors. We have not stopped marketing. Um, you know, I look at the stats that are coming out of Cruise Critic, and I see from them that they're actually seeing a huge lift in the number of people who are interested in river cruising. Um, so that I think it's just that people see it as, once again, Lucy, the opportunity to be close to land, on a smaller vessel with you know 120 people, um, you'll have the space and you'll feel you know the, and the comfort and the luxury and I think they feel more comfortable of just staying close to land. Yeah, and can you um, chart yet the sort of demographics? Is it sort of are you getting slightly younger people? I know you were saying that it's sort of 55 plus your sort of yeah. core demographic, but um, can you see from those figures yet who these new customers are? You know, I'm not really seeing that, but what I do know is that 48% of our guests right now that are booked for 21 um, actually are past passengers, and for 22, it was like 54%. So, you know, that, that's a big difference in the number of new passengers we will have versus past guests. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, well, it sounds very good. I'm conscious that I don't want to hog all of your time, Ellen, and I know there'll be questions from the audience who are watching live today. So let's get Andy back if we can. There he is, magic of there technology. And, uh, <laughs> and maybe you could put up a couple of questions. I'm sure there's been some coming in for Ellen. Certainly, and good afternoon, Ellen, uh, and thank you for joining us. Um, just before we do that, I should just say the poll results have come in now. So 57% of the audience have said they have river cruised and 43% have said they haven't. So clearly there's a lot of travel agents out there who haven't yet had the opportunity to river cruise. 
Um, a couple of questions, uh, Ellen. So the first one from Jacqueline asking about the Mekong and when you suspect that the Mekong will be able to restart. Right, so the Mekong, we are, um, I'm so glad you asked that question. We have an incredible new ship there, the Mekong Jewel. Um, absolutely stunning. She's got uh, her, she's got two suites that are 925 square feet. I mean, they're just huge. And all the, it's an entire all-suite ship. Um, and we expect to have her sailing in September. Excellent. That's good to hear. Thank you. Uh, James asks, uh, he was very delighted to hear that you were thinking of restarting in May, but he wonders where specifically in May and whether there were any rivers that would take priority over others. Um, you know, so I think right now we're looking at where our guests are booked, obviously. So, you know, the Duro, uh, we look, anticipate be able to open on the Duro. We anticipate, you know, just the, the, the Danube and the Rhine will ask, also open. And then also we're looking at our, our down in, in Italy, in the, down to the Po River. Excellent, thank you. And then Hashali uh, was very excited about more about the rail and cruise combination. That's obviously a feature of UniWorld and whether there was any more information or where they could go for some more information on that. Yep, um, you can go over to uniworld. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, uniworld.com and, um, and then there is a cruise and rail section there so they can actually learn more about it. Um, the 2021 is open right now and we have a few spots left. Um, and then for 2022, we um, are opening that for sale um, later this week, or probably Monday by the time, you know, everything else happens. Sure. Um, and then finally, because of course your crystal ball is working really well today. But, it um, is. <laughs> um, there's a lot of excitement about Egypt and the opening up of Egypt. So again, when will that start? And then can you tell us a bit more about the itineraries that you're offering on the Nile? Absolutely. So for Egypt, um, we uh, intend to open up in September as well. Um, and actually, we are adding our second ship there because it has been such a popular destination. So we've got the super ship Sphinx, which will be launching this year. And of course, we have the incredible, beautiful river uh, Tosca. The itineraries are, um, are, I've done it personally twice. It is one of my favorite destinations. You know, you fly into Cairo, um, you stay there at the uh, Four Seasons or at the Ritz-Carlton. Um, guests spend the first few days there in Cairo, seeing the museum, um, and, and you know, something you just absolutely can't miss. And then they fly down to Luxor where they'll join the ship um, and then, you know, and sail on the Nile, which is just absolutely magical, and make their way over to Abu Simbel, uh, go to the, val the Valley of the Kings and the Valley of the Queens. Um, but uh, it is definitely a bucket list trip that everyone should take advantage of. Yeah, I've never been, Lucy. I don't know if you've you've been on the I have been to Egypt but I haven't been on a, a river cruise and I mean it's interesting Ellen that you mentioned there the bucket list trip because we yeah. talked about bigger groups perhaps coming together but do you think you're going to see some of that as well that sort of bucket list um people ticking off things that they've the sites they want to see and that they might well do that by river cruise I do I think people are saying you know what I was pent up I was held back I was unable to do what I wanted to do and I think that people save their money that by not traveling by not eating out by not and they're like you know what this is the year I'm gonna go for it and we're yeah. seeing that we're seeing it in the bookings I've got people who are booking in 21 and booking then again in 22 at, you know on the in, on the same phone call so oh that's fantastic that's yeah. really good um and I know we've talked there a lot about product and different destinations but can you give us any sort of indication? I know we talked a little bit about how you might have to wear a mask, but how generally, not necessarily related to COVID, but how generally will the onboard experience change? Just just general innovation, you know, how will it change as you go forward? What's Uniworld got planned for this sort of actually onboard? Yeah, so onboard we have, um, you know, we have uh, many dining venues. So all of our ships have been going through transformations where we've been adding additional dining venues. So it's no longer just always eating in the main one dining room. 
So I think what's really different going forward is people have a chance to eat in different dining venues um, and we'll have some alfresco dining as well. So I mean, food is a big part of it. Um, we're also looking at some um, different types of excursions and what we're calling them is make travel matter excursions is what they're called. And the idea being is how do we ensure that we're being very sustainable in the way that we are traveling and the way that we are you know, experiencing the, the destinations. So we're actually gonna be calling out the different destinations and experiences that are the make travel matter experiences. Um, one of the really cool ones is, and it sounds kind of strange, but is in Amsterdam, people have the opportunity to go plastic fishing. So you can actually go out on the boats and you help to uh, pick up all the plastic that's in the, in the rivers there. Um, so that's kind of an interesting one as well as our vinegar tasting. Um, so it's, you know, there are different experiences we want to bring to people and help them to understand that they're giving back to either a small local business or back to a destination. And I, and I know that's um, really important to your organization with your Treadlight yeah. Foundation, etc. So I know that's hugely important. But are you seeing that in terms of customer demand then? Because there's always been that question, isn't it? You know, we, we should be doing the right thing, but how much are people really prepared to pay for a sustainable holiday or vacation? Right. So I think the entire vacation, we are trying to show them what is sustainable about it and giving them the opportunity to choose. I think that there's still a um, they like the idea and they feel good about doing business with someone who does care and who does give back. Um, and so we do hear and see that and, and people do appreciate it. And, they, and we see that in their in their comments. Yeah, just a, sorry, Lucy, just a, a follow up question. We were chatting about excursions. A question from Kevin is around whether you think that shore excursions will be able to operate as normal uh, as as regulations are kind of rolled back across Europe. Yeah, I mean, I think and that's, that's one of our big unknowns. I think that we're going to have to watch very carefully. I think different uh, destinations will have rules of around 100 people or more can't be in a um, in a in a public place and so we'll just have to create the excursion so there we take 20 people here 40 people there 60 people there so i think that um to start with that will be one of our logistical challenges um my team's ready for it though we've already discussed it um but the um i think once we get into late summer august september i, I really do believe in my heart of hearts that we will get back to normal so Ellen, which ship will you be going on? What's your first trip you're going to take as soon as we get out of this? Because you've got the pick of them all. So I want to know I do. What, your, what, what your favorite would be, because I always love to ask the bosses what, what of all of their program they like the most. Well, Lucy, we have four new ships this year because they were supposed to be new last year. So now they're yeah. new this year. So I'm going to head down to Venice and I'm going to go on the super ship La Venezia and hopefully get on the train if there's a spot open, if I want to do that desperately. Then I'm going to head over to the Duro and go on the super ship Sao Gabriel. She has got the top deck is all suites. She's absolutely stunning. I've only seen pictures. I can't wait to see her in person. I'm then going to go over to Egypt because, of course, you got to get to Egypt and see the incredible super ship Sphinx. And once again, go to Abu Simbel because that is absolutely the most stunning place you could ever go. And then I'm going to head over to Vietnam and go on the Mekong Jewel and sit on that back deck in my hot tub in that 925 square foot suite, if it's not sold out, and uh, enjoy seeing the beautiful rivers of the Mekong. Gosh, it sounds incredible. So with four ships then next year, does that mean you're going to stop building ships for a while? Have you got enough to sort of play with or do you think you'll have more to come? Well, you know, we also have a new partnership with Aqua Expeditions. And so we also have a new ship on the Amazon. 
And so I work very closely with Francesco Galli, who owns Aqua Expeditions, and we are we have chartered that ship as well. So between chartering that ship, adding in the trains, you know, we're looking at how once again we can just bring different and new experiences to our customers as well as to our advisors. I want our advisors to have a reason to pick up the phone and call their guests and tell them about something exciting to be, get start traveling. Yeah, well, we're really close to time, Ellen, but you've mentioned travel advisors at the end now. It's really important. I know they're hugely important oh. to you. You said that sales are going well uh, in the UK. Um, I presume that business is coming through the trade. And so what are your plans for the trade uh, going forward this, this year and into next? Yeah, I have an outstanding sales team in the UK. I'm so fortunate. And they have just kept agents, you know, and um, inspired and excited about what we're doing through lots of evening events and chats. And I think we're all a little bit zoomed out these days, but, um, you know, just making sure that they're aware of everything. And also, you know, we look forward to getting them on board as well. So on board these new ships, we also put out lots of different fam opportunities for them. So um, I know the importance as a former travel advisor myself many, many years ago, I know the importance of actually seeing and experiencing the product. All right. Well, that is something very much to look forward to. It certainly doesn't sound like you've slowed down at all in this pandemic. No. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. Um, but you're going at a real pace. And we we really hope you can get back sailing in, in May. That would be wonderful. And uh, we just can't thank you enough for sparing your time today to join us. All. It's been brilliant. Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you so much. It's so good to see you, Lucy. I'm glad to see you're still in your son's bedroom. Um, <laughs> and Andy, always good to see you. And I will, I'm sure I'll see you soon. Well, we hope you have been thoroughly immersed in the world of River Cruise this time. We have had some amazing guests. So a big thank you to all of our guests, to Adrian Godot from Avalon Waterways, Sarah Macefield from the UK, to Lucia Rowe from A Rosa, and of course to Ellen Betridge, recorded there chatting to Lucy Huxley at the Clear River Cruise Showcase held in March. Uh, we will be back. Uh, with some more inspiration, some more destination immersion and some more trends and opportunities ahead for River Cruise. So do look out for our next podcast. But in the meantime, thank you for listening and see you again soon.